0: So what is the monument that you strongly suspect of being made because of the Transformers? The Eiffel Tower. Hear me out. I know it's not ancient, but I think Gustav Eiffel died like five years before it was made, and it was sort of a weekend at Bernie's Decepticon (laughs) thing. I like it. Yeah. I'm going to go with Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. Because who thinks, here's a huge mountain, let's carve some decorative faces in it. There has to be a story behind that that's Transformers inspired. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty American though. Here's a huge mountain, let's put some faces on it. Transformers! I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More Is More, the Bad Movie Podcast. This week, we have Transformers 2. Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, So this is still directed by Michael Bay. This is basically the same creative team. It's still directed by Michael Bay, and it's got uh, the writers from the first movie plus one. Yep, the same producer, largely. Yeah. This movie is such a classic More Is More example. This... Everything is more. Like, they just did more for every element. The crude humor, the plot, the characters. Like, everything is exaggerated to a ridiculous degree. Especially since it was pretty much exactly the same plot. Yeah. And they just added more. Which made it more ridiculous, also. Yeah. So, this is, like, this is one of my favorite bad movies. (laughs) I actually saw this at a midnight showing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because my friends wanted to go see it. How did you stay awake? It was probably like 3 a.m. when it ended. I was mostly just in awe of all the circular pans. And we wound up seeing this again when the family basically was visiting me for graduation when oh, I was graduating college. Oh yeah, I remember. And this was playing in the hotel room one night when we were there. Yeah. So the whole family was, watched it. Well, yeah, but I and I was lying down in the other room and watching it on that TV. And yeah. We were just shouting stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot of fond memories of this movie. Yeah. So we open with Optimus Prime talking basically about humans. And how they are capable of great violence and great kindness. We've already had this in the last movie, but let's talk yeah. about it a little more. We see some cavemen that are hunting uh, 17000 BC. They stumble across some Transformers who are around this machine. We cut to the present day. There's uh, the military's basically going into China where they're saying the news agencies are saying there's a toxic spill. But actually, it's a Decepticon. Right. Hold on, though. Who do we see at the helm of the army guys? Josh Jumel back again. I was thinking higher ranked. Glenn Morshauer. I yeah. thought he died. Oh, did he? Okay, in the last one, he's at the base that gets attacked at first, and then they're saying there's no survivors, oh. and that's why they need to find Josh Jumel and his guys to get any info. You're totally right. Glenn Morshauer right. was there. Well, he survived he was a late survivor, a late discovered survivor. Maybe he was also in the desert. Also, I didn't notice this in the first one, but he is so quintessentially that role that his name is Morshower in the role. <laughs> he is General Morshower. That's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Josh Jumel is back, and so is Tyrese Gibson. Yeah. So they they are recurring characters, even though we didn't care about them in the first movie. <laughs> They're back to not be cared about in the second movie. Yeah. And this is also when we're introduced to Mudflap and Skids. A come out get your ice cream. Any bad robot out there better get ready for an ass whooping. They are so racist. They're just more than that. They are so obnoxious. Like, do you miss Jazz yet? He wasn't nearly as obnoxious as these two characters. They also, like, one of them has a gold tooth and they look like they were barely put together. They actually sort of look like little mechanical, giant mechanical gremlins. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, these are kind of, like, the worst. I don't know why they did this. Because everything they say or do is, like, the worst possible example of a racist character. It was a weird choice, and they're just, like, super obnoxious. They are. So, Mudflap or Skids, they're twins, so who cares who's who. Um, I mean, they probably do race as much. Yeah. They look the same. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> then, yes, very. But they, uh, one of them is disguised as an ice cream truck. I thought that was them together, because then one of them falls off. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Well, I missed that. But they're disguised as an ice cream truck with... In English, saying in English, ice cream for sale, with in English, caution written on the front of it. They're in China. Yeah. This happens, this is referred to as the Shanghai incident for the rest of the movie. Yeah, they're in China, not in Hong Kong. They're in Shanghai. So it doesn't really make sense that they would have... But these, we're going to find through this movie that the Transformers aren't capable of any language but english yeah to be fair they are they do later say that they can't read yeah but they can't read cybertronian which is even weirder yeah. we'll get into that okay so they do get out we also hang see on. iron hang on is that really what that language is called yes cybertronian it is they did not try with a lot of names in this movie go on so the Autobots and NEST, which will, is the name of the, this government organization, which is Non-Biological Extraterrestrial Species Treaty. So this is NEST. I didn't even want to know what that stood for when I saw it, because I knew it was something really stupid. Yeah. I don't know why we need to specify non-biological extraterrestrial. Like, it's different from all <laughs> like of the biological know, extraterrestrials. That we know about, that yes. we work with at the Army. Yeah. Yeah. But they go in with the Autobots, so it's humans and Autobots working together. We see some of the ones from last time. Optimus Prime is there, of course, but we also have Ironhide and Ratchet, I think, are both there. They fight a couple of Decepticons. They beat them, of course. And as one is dying right before Optimus Prime, like, stabs it through its little metal heart, is like, The Fallen will return. Optimus Prime and the Transformers act like they have no idea what this means. Like everyone acts like they, I mean, the humans, understandably have no idea what this means. The Transformers are like, uh oh. huh. They're just saying stuff like, not today. Like they're just throwing off right cool stuff. Right. So this seems like it's a huge mystery as of now. So then we get to Sam and his parents who are packing him up to take him to college. And then the parents are going to immediately leave on a month-long trip to France. This seems like the worst possible organization of how you should do this trip. Like, you take your kid to college, you come back and pack for France, and then you leave. Yeah, why would you stress yourself out by packing that way? Also, how what is he taking to college that, like, you have room in the car for a month-long trip to France? He's not taking much. Aren't they on the West Coast? Yes. They're in California, and he's going to an East Coast school. Oh yeah, why so would they they're be driving? driving? Yeah, they're driving cross country to do this, and Did then they they're book going their to flights to yeah. the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he's also allegedly according to his dad, the first Witwicky to go to college. Yes! Screw college! Do whatever your dad did. Like, the this is a really nice house in a really nice neighborhood, and they can afford to send their kid to a school that he says is $40,000 a year. For one thing, I don't believe that your dad didn't go to college. Yeah. For another thing, if he didn't, then just go into that business. Yeah. Also, his... Great, great grandfather—we've already established—was the captain of an Arctic exploring vessel. Yeah, and was some kind of scientist. Like, yeah. I don't believe that he didn't go to whatever passed for college in the eighteen hundreds. They had universities. I'm well, sure he went. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. Anyway, so they're packing up. The mother. Okay, this is—we didn't talk about the parents a lot in the last movie. His no, they parents in it that much. Well, they were in it a bit. His parents are basically, yeah, an irritating excuse for pretty dumb comedy. And this is only made worse in this movie. Like so many things are. So the mother is like weeping over these baby booties. She's like, I found it. I'm like, were you in the attic looking for them? Is that how you found it? Because I don't know who stumbles across like baby stuff like that. The father strongly suggests that he and that Sam and Michaela should break up. Oh, yeah, he's just like, whatever, she's great, but come on, you're in college. Right, you need to give each other space. Yeah. He says they're fine, like they're going strong. And to prove that, Michaela, who is draped over a motorcycle in her dad's garage, painting like a little devil Devil figure on one of the motorcycles, she looks like the the centerfold pinup. Like Yeah, you know what the worst part of that shot is, though? She thought she was only being shot from the face. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Well, yeah, so... It's pretty classic Michael Bay, though. No, it is. (laughs) There's a reason she wasn't in any of the other movies. The reason more explicitly is because she badmouthed him in interviews because she hated him so much, but it is related. Yeah. Well, and she's um, painting this thing, which it looks like it would be easier to do... Squatting in front of the bike rather than draped over it. (laughs) She's so good, she doesn't have to look at it right side up. Yeah. She calls Sam and says she's gonna break up, she's breaking up with him, which I guess is just done to create a false sense of tension. I don't know. Sam is like, I don't believe you. Also, I made you this awesome long-distance relationship kit. And she's like, great. Guess we're not breaking up after all. I'll be buying 20. It's also pretty clear that this isn't the first time she said that to Yeah. Me. He's like, oh, I almost believed you that time. Or, yeah. like, you almost sounded like you meant it. Wow, yeah. that's great. And I'm like, this isn't, like, really a cute little whatever. I know. This is the weird relationship thing. Sam would like Michaela to go with him to college, not to attend college with him, just to live in one of the cheap off-campus apartments. Right? But she can't go because her father, who was in jail, just got out of prison and she needs to help him get back on his feet. Yeah. Weird detail. Like, like he taught you about cars, but you need to supervise him in a garage? I think it's I think it's more just like help him acclimatize to life on help the outside him, yeah help him acclimate I mean, I think to the, life outside the biggest part of being an ex-con and like acclimating is getting a job yeah um, I mean, he already has one and it's not really relevant like she's in the movie she's <gasps> in yeah, most of the movie y- you, you don't only- need to excuse her not being there she might as well just be attending college with him you see him twice the dad i thought it was gonna be a bigger thing i thought he was gonna at least do something in the movie nope Well, normally this is what you do when you don't want a character to be in the movie. So you need a reason for them to not be there. But Michaela is in most of the movie. (laughs) So a bit weird. So while he's talking to her on the phone, he's pulled out his old sweatshirt that he fought in Mission City in that he's still kept He shakes it out and a sliver of the cube falls out of it which he sees it burns a hole through the floor because he activates it how does he activate it he looks he picks it up and he looks at it and it shines a light in his eyes and i mysteriously activates see that's the weird thing though because then you're like okay does it just take you like looking at it and touching it well no because that's happened before why didn't the other whatever yeah, so then it fall it burns a hole through the floor and lands on the kitchen counter where it stops burning holes through anything and instead turns all of the appliances into kitchen bots. This is literally what they call them. Kitchen bots. Oh, gosh. Is that not the most adorable thing you've ever heard? That is actually pretty I would like kitchen bots to be a line of appliances that I could buy for my kitchen. Except not evil like these, because it's still set to Decepticon. (laughs) Right. It's still on its evil mode, so they're all evil, and they start trying to kill Sam. This, once again, makes me think that, in fact, Decepticons are the norm, and the Autobots are actually the villains of their planet. So they start firing and trying to kill Sam, and he runs upstairs, escapes through a window, eventually remembers that Bumblebee is in the garage and calls for him. Bumblebee responds to the call, but has been ignoring the chaos so far from the garage. Probably jamming out to his radio. are we supposed to believe he can't hear this? Anyway, he comes out and he kills all the kitchen bots, in process, destroying part of the house. And they get mad at Bumblebee. Well, he responds not by stepping on them, which is very liable, because they're not that big, but he just starts shooting cannons at everything. He does, but also, there are some that are still in the house, so he fires at them, and then they're like, Bumblebee, you asked for his help. (laughs) We expected a giant robot to execute with more finesse. Yeah, to to spare our house. So they have to call the firemen and... His parents, by the way, now know. We There was no reveal. At the end of the last movie, they didn't know. Now they know. The fireman and Michaela show up at the same time. Sam gives the cube sliver to Michaela, And then he goes to talk to Bumblebee. This is the day they're leaving for college. And this is the day he decides to have the conversation with Bumblebee of, you can't come to college with me. Freshmen aren't allowed to have cars. Conversation being used loosely because somehow Bumblebee's voice now again doesn't work. I know. And they kind of try and explain this by Michaela being like, oh, he's still having trouble with his voice. He was speaking fine. Totally fine. What did you do to it? Like, yeah. This has to be his his own fault now. And Bumblebee, once again, way too attached to Sam. He's heartbroken by not being able to attend college with him. I know. It makes me think he has, like, developmental problems. Like, he got hit in the head in the fight, and now he's, like, gotta live in this guy's garage forever. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be boring to be a car on a college campus. Sam's not going to spend his days driving around. He encourages Bumblebee to go with the other Autobots, and then he says, She'll always be my first car. I wrote that down too because it's so terrible. Yeah. Like, what? If you and Michaela do break up, I hope you think about your words a little more. Right. Also, is, aren't you friends? Like, being a friend is like, you know, you'll always be my friend. That's way more important than being you'll somebody's first car. Be my first toaster. Yeah. Like, the first car is the beater you get because you can't afford a better one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. While he's having this conversation, Michaela's outside, stripping out of her, like, leather motorcycle stuff and into, like, a virginal white dress with a purple bouquet. Yeah. The bouquet was weird. The dress is weird enough. Like seriously, he's gonna be fine with you wearing hot motorcycle leather stuff. Right. But the bouquet is weird. It's really weird. I was like, wait, is this? Are they like surprised? Is she gonna surprise him with a wedding? What's going on right now? That's what it looked like. It looked like let's get married before you leave for college. I know. And I don't know where she put that either. Where it didn't get crushed. A lot of questions about that. And it was really unnecessary. So then they have a conversation. He and she and Sam have a conversation that's basically like, I want you to say I love you first. No, I want you to say I love you first. It was because neither one wants to scare the other one away. But once you're down to the conversation of somebody needs to say I love you first, I'm pretty sure neither one of you is going to be scared off by it. Yeah. Which makes me think that you're both scared of commitment, which have fun with your long distance and Sam's argument by the way way better than Michaela like Michaela is the catch in this relationship so you're not wrong the idea of girls also get scared off by saying I love you especially girls with options like yeah okay so Sam leaves to go to college and she's got the cube sliver and her purse A toy Decepticon, which, like, it's a remote-controlled car, which is adorable. It's a pretty good twist that, that that guy's in the mix now. Yeah, his name is Wheelie... Um, he's basically the replacement for Frenzy, yeah. but he can only really transform into this remote control car that we see. Yeah, because at first I thought he was Frenzy. I kept thinking every small robot was Frenzy. Yeah, I think Frenzy may have been killed in the last movie. I think he was because John Turturro had his head in a jar. Yeah. He is following Michaela around because he sees that she has the cube. Well, the first thing he does is transmit... To, to Soundwave. Soundwave in space. Like, good Sound Soundwave also- is a satellite bot, I guess. He's yeah. just orbiting the Earth, doing satellite stuff. It's weird, though, that he's called Soundwave and he's in space mm-hmm. where there's no sound. Yeah. Also, Soundwave is... You know, it's funny because in the last movie, the Decepticons were the ones with all the cool names. But like now we're getting to the Decepticons with less cool names, like Soundwave. And Sideways was one of the Decepticons that was killed in the first scene. Sideways is a dumb name. It's pretty dumb. So we get back to the soldiers. They've come home with the various Autobots and also some dead soldiers. Um, So what better to juxtapose the flag-wrapped coffins with the humorous antics of mudflap and skids. I can't think of a better way to lighten a sad day. So a bureaucrat shows up, your classic stuffed shirt bureaucrat Mm -hmm. uh, named Galloway, shows up to reprimand Nest on how the debacle in Shanghai, yeah, how messy it was and how, you know, it drew attention to itself. Yeah. I would love to know how you subtly take down two huge Decepticons, but whatever. How much did they want this guy to be David Hyde Pierce? (laughs) That's funny. I didn't see that. I did, especially in a scene at the end. I was like, oh man, this guy. That's funny. Yeah, it's, it's, his whole thing is weird because he's like, no, you know, we don't even think that this is a good idea. Like, we want you guys to leave, maybe? Like, we're thinking about asking the Autobots to leave. But then, it's like... When has the U.S. ever given up weapons like that? Well, he is mad because the Autobots won't give them their weapons, only their intel. And Optimus Prime, of course, chastises him by saying, we've seen your human capacity for war. He actually, the point that he makes that's a little bit valid is that they think that the Decepticons are only, because the Shard is gone, the Allspark is gone. Mm Mm-hmm. So they, he is assuming that the only reason the Decepticons are still there is because of the Autobots. So they are, this is still in talks. They're just bringing it up right now. But they want to know if they decide that the Autobots are the ones causing the problems, if they will leave peacefully. And Optimus Prime, because he's the best, is like, I mean, sure, I guess. But what are you going to do if you're wrong? Which is a really good point, too. Yes, as pointed out by Josh Jumel. That's my thing. Like... If you have a threat like this, I just don't see any country asking them to leave, especially the U.S. Yeah. Because they won't give us their weapons, but they are weapons, and they're working with us, and we're still being able to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that having those, even if they're a secret, like, they're kind of an open secret, yeah. I bet, at this point, internationally, in certain channels. Mm-hmm. And so the the clout that, that would the power that, that would give us internationally, I just don't see anybody giving that up. Yes, and also there's a failure on Optimus Prime's part to fully explain the situation. For one thing, the the bureaucrat says they still have a sliver of the AllSpark. Don't worry though it's under lock and key at the most secure naval base in the world. Oh they do say that. No no no, no. Yeah. that's this whole thing though. This whole thing. So the bureaucrat does a huge info dump. Yes. But because this movie's really lazy. It also explains everything that happened in the last movie that we need to know. Exactly. And so because this movie's super lazy, it's being transmitted to other naval officers. So Soundwave is hearing this whole thing. Because he hacks a U.S. satellite. Right. So it's a super lazy way to give the enemies all of the info so that we can skip that. Yes. And info dump everybody who didn't see the first one or forgot. Yes. Optimus Prime also does some really awful non-explanations. I think that Optimus Prime should know more than he seems to in the beginning of this movie. We'll get to that later when the Fallen is explained a bit more. But he, I feel like he's holding out information that would be relevant to this. It seems like he is. And during the info dump, they also tell everybody where Megatron is. Yeah. So now we have brought back into play the entire plot from the last movie. Everything that was worked to destroy Mm -hmm. for the last movie is now back in place. So we have the same plot. Yes. Also, there's a throwaway line in this uh, that Tyrese Gibson says, which is... God made us in his image. Made him. Referring to Optimus Prime. Right? Does Tyrese think that God, like, looked in a mirror and humans are what God looks like? Right. I... I don't understand. For one thing, this is an incredibly deep philosophical line to be a throwaway line in Transformers' Revenge of the Fallen. So, excuse me? But also, they're fairly humanoid for one thing. The Transformers are able to connect to human beings really well. This is not a really a completely alien species, so it would make sense that it would be created by the same god. Well, they're they're even in the shape of humans a lot of the time. Yeah, and that makes me wonder: Does Tyrese think that there's a separate god for every single thing on Earth? Like, who made cat? Those look more different than yeah. Autobots do. It was it was a weird inclusion. <laughs> so now I go back to college. Sam and his parents show up at the college, uh, and we know Sam is there to move in because he's carrying one box. This is the way moving is shown in movies. You yeah. carry one box. It's insanely light. Unless you're trying to make the point that somebody's really materialistic and out of touch, and then it's 50 boxes and you have movers. Yes. Also, one of the boxes has Sam written on it and really big letters. <laughs> So who else are they moving? Well, themselves to France. <laughs> are they doing it in U Haul boxes? Just so they don't take it to France on accident. It was weird. So he basically carries his one box into the room and the parents look around. I don't know. He's on his own for this. Um, he shows up. He meets his new roommate who has enti- unpacked everything, put the walls, like plastered the walls with posters and stuff, Did- set up his computer. And we find out, set up a server room. So I guess this is actually not a dorm room as much as a dorm suite. They're sharing it with two other guys. I don't know where this room came from, though. No, it's it, devoted it, to the server. It looks like it's just like an attached room. It looks like, like a huge closet. Yeah. Did you notice that one of the posters is Bad Boys 2? I did. Nice one, Michael Bay. Way to I get know. your own films in there. It's dry, More attention is drawn to it later on. Yeah. But also, these guys... Probably from Mission City, because you'll notice there's a Mountain Dew vending machine in the room. (laughs) Oh, Mission City. Yeah, so this is also something that's, the roommate is also generally played for last. So this makes it the fifth character so far that's been introduced in this movie that is mostly just there for comic relief. I'm pulling for five more. We'll get close to it, (laughs) don't worry. His roommate runs a conspiracy theory website that tracks Transformer activity. Without knowing about the Transformers tracks Transformer activity. Yeah, he thinks it's a big conspiracy and like, no, it's real. And Sam's like, oh, I think it's all fake. Also, I wasn't there. Uh, Don't ask me. I wasn't there. And I can't comment or speculate on that. Yeah. The subtlest thing he could have done. Right. Exactly. Um, The weirder thing is, though, especially before it's explained, you're like, wait, do you run a cheap escort site also? Because the wall behind him is plastered with Very low-rent photos of girls. Yeah. And it turns out that he somehow got into the system. He got photos of every girl who's going to college there. Yes. He hacked into the system and put them all in his dorm, because I guess it's a co-ed dorm, but not like floor by floor, because they're sharing bathrooms with hot girls. And I would like to point out that I think they're actually the only guys on the COA dorm floor. It seems like it. And I'm like, okay, there's no way that somebody didn't look at this. Like, oh, you're so smart. You got into the computers. There's no way somebody didn't look at this and say like, oh, that's clearly wrong. I'm going to change it. Yeah. Also, did you hear when he was like, hey, I looked you up. I'm poor. You're poor. And I'm He's like, not poor. Sam's not poor. And they never address it. They no. never say like, why do you think that? I'm not poor. Right. The house he lives in. Oh. <sighs> This isn't even Hollywood poor. This is nothing poor. This because you know Hollywood poor isn't like legit poor. It's, no, it's like lower middle class. Unless this isn't uh, unless sometimes it's the poverty that few of us ever see like that poor. Well, yeah, those are like the realistic. It's either winter's bone right. or like like eh, you're actually kind of probably lower middle class. Right uh so then the parents come in holding golf clubs the dad is holding golf clubs and drops them there's no way they're bringing those golf clubs to france (laughs) (laughs) And, and i don't know why sam would have them yeah no he wouldn't have them the dad likes to golf he packed them though i saw him pack them yeah so i don't know what's going on there the mother has bought pot brownies from a bake sale the, this is, by the way, way before any sort of legalization of marijuana. Absolutely. So she has bought pot brownies from a bake sale. They're not even attempting to hide it. No. Like, the leaf it's, is on the bag. Exactly. It's not. Yeah, they're not trying to hide it. And the father tells her that she's eaten a pot brownie. It's made with the roofer because they're hilarious. Uh, she doesn't believe him. Yeah, and she's not listening to it. And also, this she says it was sold to her by a white guy with dreadlocks. How does she not realize this is a pot brownie? I know, and I'm like, okay, did the There's no way the dad just now saw that she's eating this. Yeah, so the dad doesn't seem to care that she's just getting high as a kite. And the mom is completely unconcerned about the fact that she's super high. Let me tell you, when people get high without knowing that they should be getting high, that's not how freak they get I was thinking that too, especially older people. Yeah. Because I remember um, when somebody did that at a school here. Yeah, like, the Muffin Man. Exactly. It was a big deal. Um, From our school yeah. to another school, actually. <laughs> but unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Some guy in my grade, he like took a thing of dose brownies to the teacher's lounge, well, some of those people ended up being hospitalized because they're old and they don't know what's going on. Yeah. So we leave that hilarious scene to a bunch of Decepticons breaking into where the Allspark Shard is being held. So here we get, a. so you know how we had Scorponok last time? Scorponok last time. We have another Decepticon that looks like an animal. This one looks like a large cat. Large cat. What's the name? Ravage. Scorponok was a super cool, in a really dumb, cartoony way, name. And then the cat is named Ravage. Yeah, I was excited to hear what the name was. That's not... Isn't it disappointing? Mm, Yeah, they should have saved that for another one. That would have been cooler than Soundwave. Yeah, I know. And it dumps a whole bunch of insecticons into the room. That's what those are called. Yeah, so they are these tiny little Decepticons that can come together to create one huge... Well, it's almost like a 3D printer for a Decepticon. Like, Mm -hmm. that's really what it looks like when they connect and, like, form this thing. Yeah. And so they dump a bunch of those into the room with the AllSpark. They steal it. There's a shootout with soldiers, because why not? But they steal the AllSpark, and that's what's important. Now we go back to Sam. Sam, first night in the dorm, I think. Pretty sure. First night in the dorm, is attending a frat party
1: with his roommates.
0: It's weird, though, because... I didn't realize that frat parties were just like open to anyone. I don't think they are. I don't think they are either. They're open to girls. Well, yeah. I don't think they're open to any guys that want to go. They're not. And I don't know why they would be having one like the first day. Of I know. Moving. They're throwing a rager. Yeah. Also, he says he, says he can't stay for very long because he has his first web date with. Michaela. Who is waiting for him at that moment. So it's like, wait, did you guys not like did, yeah. is she not aware that there's a time difference? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his roommates are dancing and everything, and he starts seeing visions of these crazy symbols that are Cybertronian. He starts writing some of the Mountain Frosting, this girl interrupts. Rosie Huntington Whitley. Yeah. Hottie Victoria's secret model who is now getting married to Jason Statham, Actually, oh, that's interesting. She is crazy aggressive Oh my goodness, Like She's not going to take no for an answer when she's hitting on Sam And Sam is saying no Rape culture much? No means no, Rosie Well, I know Sam is portrayed as being a huge nerd Always In what universe are we believing that this is happening? I know Nothing suspicious about this But that gets interrupted when somebody says There's a yellow Camaro on the lawn Bumblebee has shown up so he runs out to the the lawn. The girl follows him out there. It's not just on the lawn. It's like in the bushes, too. Oh, yeah. It's like he basically got as close as he could without driving inside. Yeah. Uh, so he comes out to basically move Bumblebee. And this has my, like one of my favorite exchanges in the whole movie. That's your car in our bushes? Uh, no, there's a friend of mine. He just went to uh, went to get you a tighter shirt. There isn't a tighter shirt. We checked. And then they fist, fist bump. bump. Oh. This, honestly, that was a hilarious moment for me, and I loved it so much. I know. I, I was like, I want to like this less, but I like it a lot. It was it was amazing. <laughs> also, uh, there clearly could have been a tighter shirt. The shirt wasn't it that was tight. It was not that tight. Yeah. It really wasn't. We're never going to see them again, though. The only two comic characters that I actually really liked in this, we're never going to see them again. The girl gets in the car with him because she loves Camaros. She hits on him some more. Bumblebee, as we know, very invested in the whole Michaela Sam thing, does not like this girl and is using his radio to show how much he dislikes this girl and then spits some weird greenish fluid in her face. That's like very viscous. And you're like, what could that even be that wouldn't kill a person? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She finally takes the hint and gets out of the car. Well, this is after he gives her probably a mild concussion by slamming <laughs> yeah. the seat into the dash. Yeah. And she vis- she audibly hits her head. Yeah. And she's like, ow. It's pretty bad. So he takes Sam to, opt- to meet Optimus Prime at a graveyard. Optimus Prime wants his help in showing the humans that Transformers and humans can get along. This is weird and um, unnecessary. I really need you, <laughs> freshman boy in college, to go talk to the president because I think he's going to listen to you better. Why wouldn't he listen to the soldiers that have been fighting side by side with the Autobots? Yes. Why does he need this college boy? he's not going to listen to General Morshower. he's probably not going to listen to Sam Whitwicky, local nerd. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to a bunch of Decepticons going to where... Megatron is buried in the orange trench. Yeah, he's adorably covered in starfish and like octopi. Uh, yeah, it's it's, a, so it's an cute. octopus hangout. Yeah, it's it's really cute. Anyway, <laughs> the Constructicons take the stolen Allspark, uh, rip apart one of their comrades, and use everything to revive Megatron. Yeah, it kind of seemed like the one comrade was not told about this plan beforehand either. No, he wasn't. <laughs> Why are they so wild to Megatron? Like, Megatron has already shown he can be bested. It's really unclear, because he's not even... We're gonna find out. He's not actually the leader of the Decepticons, No, as he's we not. Thought. He's not even that big of a deal. No, and he was already frozen in the ice for hundreds of years, so he's not millions, I thought. For a long freaking time. So he hasn't been present for all of this planning anyway. He just got revived and then which he got bested almost immediately. Yeah, that makes it worse. They like unfroze him and then he instantly lost. Yeah. I don't know why they're so intent on reviving him, but they do. He then flies in, like, spaceship form out to this lair where a bunch of Decepticons are. A bunch of Decepticon hatchlings. And also, I guess it's just the general Decepticon hangout. But it is in outer space. How are there hatchlings? I thought they couldn't make any more because of the Allspark. And they do kind of talk about this. Starscream is up with the hatchlings. Starscream has the best name of any Decepticon in the series And he loses all street cred by being a sniveling henchman in this movie. Lord Megatron, I was so relieved to hear of your resurrection. It's very annoying. It's nothing like what he was in the last movie. No, Starscream should be awesome. Starscream should be Megatron. Yeah. Anyway, Starscream is like sniveling about like, oh, don't hurt the hatchlings. And like, oh, I didn't mean to leave you behind and blah, 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 blah. It's. Painful. Because then we find out that he's been taking orders from The Fallen, who is Megatron's master. He shouldn't have a problem with any of this. Well, I know. and But yet, Starscream has to justify it by saying well, somebody had to lead in your absence and then doesn't he punch him because of that? And yeah. it's like, wait, so like actually it seems like you were leading in his absence when he left and came to Earth. The Fallen is also hooked up through tubes to a bunch of stuff. Like, I don't understand what's going on I'm I'm so confused about a lot of this cuz I... I don't know why the Fallen wasn't the one taking on Optimus. Okay, let's explain the setup here. Cuz the, the Megatron and the Fallen have a conversation where the Fallen kind of lays out what their whole deal is. So, let's remember in the last movie they were all looking for the Allspark. I do. Well, it turns out that there's a machine so they need a substance called Energon. Terrible name. Go on. Yes. To create more Transformers. So the hatchlings will only survive if they can get this Energon. Okay. And it also keeps Transformers alive. This is how they can live for thousands and thousands of years, I guess, is by having Energon. I guess they can live for at least 17,000 years without it. Yes. Well, yes. And they need a source for more. And there's a machine that was built on Earth that can create more by destroying suns so basically they want this energon so was the allspark also a source of energon and if it was why did they create these machines when the allspark was still there or was the allspark lost before they were creating these machines that built energon or that had energon and if the allspark was lost before that why were they still looking for the allspark Yeah, because they don't need it anymore. Yeah. Because they can create hatchlings without the Allspark. We've seen the hatchlings. Yeah. If all they need is energon and they can get that by destroying suns. Also, there's a lot of suns in the universe. They don't have to destroy Earths. Can they not create these machines anymore? Well, yeah. Like, if they're hanging out on Earth and it's fine, like, are they going to just take everything somewhere else? Because that seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Also, the Fallen has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Optimus Prime should know about the Fallen. Mm-hmm. He should also theoretically know about this machine that was built. It's kind of unclear about what Optimus Prime does and doesn't know. He never seems surprised by any of this knowledge, but he also never shares it in the beginning of what could the Decepticons possibly want here? There's a lot of exposition that gets dumped and then not really fully explained. Yeah. So Megatron reports into the Fallen and who says that the Cube's knowledge can never be destroyed, only transformed and therefore it's been transform it's been transferred to Sam the human yes. boy. Uh also we get the knowledge that only a Prime can defeat the Fallen. It's repeated many times in the movie. Yeah. This seems like a completely erroneous conclusion. I mean that's like saying that only like another heavyweight wrestler can beat you know the heavyweight champion but if you actually had 10 guys with you know guns they could also beat this guy right it doesn't have to be one-on-one right or what are the rules of combat here i really feel like i don't know a hydrogen bomb could probably defeat the fallen like it's it's just a weird or like 20 trans an army of autobots i don't know this feels weird yeah but it's said a lot and therefore must be true we cut back to school, Mm-hmm. Sam is attending class with the most pretentious astronomy teacher ever of all time, who's played by Rain Wilson. Dwight from The Office. Yes. Also there's like apparently some kind of sex appeal cult, personality cult around this guy. Which is bizarre because once again, played by Rain Wilson. How would this guy, if he does have that kind of personality cult around him, why is he teaching 101? Yes. Like, that doesn't happen with those people. And it's also the first day of class. Yeah. In 101. How how does everybody, like, did these girls go to this school on purpose to be eating, like, bitten into apples that this guy rolled across, across the floor at them? So this is our sixth character? Yeah. While he is being obnoxious, Sam has more visions of Cybertronian, reads the entire book, and then starts babbling on about how Einstein's wrong and... Writing a whole bunch of things up on the chalkboard inside Petronian. Uh, so he, you know, gets kicked out of class. He calls Michaela and tells her what happened. She's mad about the date, but he's like, nope, not important. We have to <laughs> focus on this. Yep. It happened when I touched the cube shard. So she says it's in her safe. Wheelie he- hears her. Talking and uh, goes to break it open, but he steps in a mousetrap and then gets beaten up by Michaela. He is handily hilarious. foiled by stepping on two mouse traps. Yeah, because that's that's the way this movie rolls. Also, apparently they just decided to use glue traps and snap traps in this shop. Like usually people use one or the other. They've got their bases covered. Yeah. Michaela catches him and puts him in a box and then says that she's going to fly out. Uh, Sam is in his room painting symbols all over the, painting Cybertronian symbols all over the wall, including the poster of Bad Boys 2. Bad Boys 2. Yeah. His roommate walks in with the very aggressive girl from the night before. They see the symbols. The girl kicks the roommate out and starts like aggressively coming on to Sam again in a really sexual way. She gets him into a compromising position where she's, like, on top of him on the bed right when Michaela walks in. But we see she has a metallic tail yeah. that's going to spear him. Right. So something's something's up with Which this. Which is, I think, an excuse to have seen her underwear. Yeah. So Michaela walks in and sees them and gets super mad and leaves. So then the girl basically exposes herself as a transformer or as a Decepticon. For one thing, hardcore cheating. Like, yeah. Hardcore. I don't appreciate this at all. Transformers cannot look like humans in such a real sense. We've seen that they can do little human holograms in their driver's seats. Yep. But this is nonsense and I don't appreciate it. And it's never explained, but also... And never done again. No. And like, it's kind of implied that nobody else knew that she was a Decepticon either because why did Bumblebee let her in the car? Yeah. Because also where did the human tissue come from? Gosh, especially this drives because me. she like melts it away and then like she has it again in another scene and like then melts it away again. Like, how is it even generating? Yeah, like this is so upsetting. The tongue, by the way, never goes away. Like her tongue never goes away. Yeah, because when she shoots it out of her mouth and then it's like something else. Like it's a yeah. The tongue is always attached to the end of this little you know thing. Yeah. Second of all, I feel like this causes a lot of questions about why she was flirting so much with Sam. Yeah, why wouldn't she just try to capture him? Yeah he's she's got him alone in the room together this is you know this isn't the party where she's trying to like get into his life somehow they're alone in the room together she knows he can see the Cybertronian symbols like this is bizarre and it makes no sense and it's only so that Michaela can walk in and see Sam in a compromising situation because then after she leaves she immediately turns into a transformer and starts throwing him around the room I know the roommate and Michaela walk in and see the transformer in him And then there's this chase scene where they're running away. The three of them are running through the campus as this Decepticon is attacking them. During this part, Michaela and Sam also have a fight about... Uh, We're broken up now. This is done. Right. About, like, did you have to have her tongue in your mouth? Okay. Sam was never a willing participant in this, and Michaela refuses to believe this. Because she's like, oh, what, you couldn't fight off an 80-pound girl? We've already seen that she's a Decepticon. Yeah, exactly. We know that she's incredibly strong. Yeah. I it, just, yeah. oh, oh my gosh, bizarre. this conversation is so unnecessary to the entire thing. Once you see she's a Decepticon, that's it, we're done, Sam is clear, free and clear. I think you're forgetting that it's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> As they run away, uh, Megatron catches up to them in this warehouse. And... He gets, he grabs Sam. Michaela and the roommate during this entire scene are just standing up on a balcony looking concerned. This is the most that they feel that they can do while Sam has been captured by Megatron. And he utters a tie from the two best lines in the movie. It feels good to grab your flesh. <sighs> There's no explaining that one. But it, but it is bizarrely creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. But it is a weird line. Yeah. There's this little Decepticon that they call the Doctor who- Has a German accent for some reason. (laughs) All evil doctors have German accents. All evil doctors are German. It's a well-known fact, which they learned when they were researching human- Like, what accent they would take in their human speech. The Doctor somehow rummages around through Sam's brain and finds these images. This is what's known as magic. They say that they have to basically take his brain to get this information. Once again, magic. Optimus Prime arrives just in time to save him, though. So then there's a the fight between Optimus Prime and Megatron. And then, you know, of course, some Decepticons and Autobots show up. Unfortunately, this includes and Skids, but it also includes Bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> so and some other ones who will not continue on this journey with us. So uh, we yeah. don't care about them, but probably like Ironhide and stuff megatron kills optimus prime in what shows that optimus prime is not as great of a fighter as we thought he was apparently pretty terrible he just turns his back on he knocks megatron over and then turns around turns his back on his enemy and is like sam (laughs) (laughs) i just want to make sure you're safe sam and that you know to run away from this deadly transformer fight yeah could you real quick reveal your location (laughs) yeah and so, of course, he's turned around, not facing Megatron, so Megatron stabs him through the back and kills him. Right. They've moved, by the way, to a pine forest for this, and uh, that was Native American land. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, they were allowed to destroy 12 real trees in, if they planted 6,000. Oh, wow. And it's interesting that they used real trees at all because some of the trees were not real. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I was looking at it because I knew that, so I was trying to see which ones were real, and that, some of the dead trunks, you're like, not real, not Mm -hmm. real, not real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it probably helps to have the start be real, and then just That's what it was. I think at the very start, the Mm -hmm. ones that were falling over were real. Yeah. So Sam flees in Bumblebee. And, you know, the soldiers mourn and the fallen rejoices. This is after, by the way, Optimus Prime, Gandalf style, is like, run, Sam, run, as he's dying. And I'm like, oh yeah, run on your human legs, outrun Megatron, (laughs) you should just run, and that way, like, you'll outrun the Decepticons. He should have been running way before this. I know! Megatron beats up Starscream for losing Sam. I just... Starscream is a punching bag, and I, for one, feel bad for him. I know he's just trying his best. Fallen mobilizes the Decepticons through Soundwave. Uh, The Autobots and the Decepticons spend a lot of their lives being mobilized. By the way, they do. It's like their favorite thing. It's one of their hobbies. The Soundwave calls. Okay, so his Sam's parents are in France. Um, eating escargot hilariously, which is what you do in France. They hilariously don't like it. Right. Even though actually the bit, the green bit that was, that we could see from it was most likely parsley and garlic. That's I was like, that's not what snails look like. No, it's not. But it's often cooked with parsley and garlic. That so that's sense. probably what that was. Yeah. Anyway. So he calls up Judy Witwicky. Yeah, good on girl, his cell phone. And then says in the least human sounding voice of anyone ever, where is the boy? But hang on. Judy tries to answer in French and she is the only American person that yeah. has never been able to think of the word bonjour. She says she, bonsoir. Yeah, she can't think of the word bonjour. yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, and bonsoir is harder French. It means good evening. I know. Yeah, so as an American, it's much more obscure. She starts it and she's like, bon, bon, uh, bon, bonsoir. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? And ironically, French tip for anyone out there who cares, the French, when they're answering their cell phone, it's literally the only time in France you get to say, allo. Oh, I like it. Mm -hmm. That's how they answer phones and you never get to use it in any other point. Anyway. I don't know what Soundwave was trying to get, like, did he really think they were going to be like, oh, let's, let me tell this weird voice where our son is. Well, that was plan A. (laughs) Also, where would, how would they know? They're in France, which you can tell from the cell phone. He has a limited budget, (laughs) and sometimes you have to try the cheapest option first. But they quickly moved to plan B, which was much more expensive. Right, which is then the Fallen basically takes over all... TV stations and radio, whatever. Like, everything. and Because Megatron says, no more disguises. Yes. We're going to reveal ourselves. Everybody's going to know about us. Which the Fallen does. He says, you know, your governments have been lying to you. We're an alien race. And we're evil. Which, and we're going to destroy you unless you give us this boy, Sam Witwicky. So and his they, face is everywhere. They show his social security and his passport. So his identity is death stolen at this point. But I would just think that that was a huge prank if I saw that on TV. Well... It, it was a little weird. They also, did start climbing on big buildings in big cities, though. Like, they did actually Yeah, they, they also themselves. started doing some random destruction around the world. Yeah. Um, I would like to point out, though, that the Fallen is speaking in English. This goes along with the ice cream truck thing of, like, I'm pretty sure they only know English. When they are broadcasting around the world, we don't mostly see them in America, except when we see the Arc de Triomphe in the background of one of yeah. the shots, and he's still speaking English on the TV. Yeah, right? So, like... Which English, are, are you really a superior race, Transformers? Yeah, which, like, how did he learn English? Because he got there before English was a thing. Yeah, well, they also all speak to each other in English, which is funny because the, the Decepticons in the previous movie mostly spoke to each other in what I'm guessing is Cybertronian. Yeah, use it or lose it, you guys. You'll mm-hmm. forget it. They threaten to destroy a bunch of cities, though, if yes. they don't get it. Yes. But the great thing is they're not like, they're not like, here, we're going to destroy a few to show you. Cause they're showing cities. They show two cities mm-hmm. on the screen. And I'm like, okay, they're gonna like destroy those just to show that they can. No, they just wanna show you examples of cities. In case you <laughs> forgot, like this is an example of something that we will destroy. Yes. <laughs> now we get our friendly bureaucrat, Galloway, who shows up to dismantle the nest team. This feels like the worst possible time to do this. Right. They've said, for one thing, not that they want the Autobots, but that they want this human boy. So there's obviously something else at play. Yes. Maybe they wanted to get to the president's most trusted advisor. (laughs) Sam Witwicky. Yes. But then they dismantle the one team that has experience in fighting Decepticons. Oh yeah, he says like, no, we'll defeat them how we always have, with careful, precise military, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, for one thing, all military strikes are like that. But also, I was like, how are you going to defeat them without Autobots? Yeah. Because we tried that in the last one and it didn't work. Well, and you've already talked about how they have superior weapon technology. Yeah. Anyway. Sam, Michaela, his roommate, Bumblebee, and Mudflap, and Skids. This is the gang that we're going to be following for a while. Thank goodness. They, Sam blames himself, of course, because this is the obligatory, I blame myself for every bad thing that's ever happened in the world, and I feel like I should turn myself in, even though that will accomplish exactly nothing. Bumblebee is telling him that he shouldn't by using movie clips. Mm -hmm. We have already established that Bumblebee communicates through radio signals, apparently through current radio signals. He uses what is currently on the radio. What are the radio stations that are broadcasting movie audio? This is very frustrating to me. Right. Sam gets over himself. And then the roommate says that he knows somebody that can translate the glyphs. It's somebody from... Well, this is when they have the hood rats say that they can't read. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. So then they say that they need to be able to figure out the glyphs. Yeah. They ask Mudflap and Skids if they can read the symbols that Sam has written out for them. And they say... Mm-hmm. Read? Nah. We, 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 no, we, we don't really do much reading. <laughs> Which, okay, as part of the... Now, to be fair, they later ask another... A de- a they asked the Decepticon that Michaela's been carrying around in this box. If he can read it, and he says that he can't read it either, they should have asked him first and not made it look like they really just thought that like black Autobots can't read. Or the black Autobots could have said, oh, that's an ancient form of Cybertronian that no one can read except old Which is Autobots. what the other one said. Yeah. Yeah, so they're just, I'm like, not a good look to ask those guys first and have them say, we can't read. Yeah, so the roommate says that he knows somebody who can translate the glyphs, and this is somebody from a a rival site of of his conspiracy site, and it turns out they go to the the butcher where this guy is, and it is, in fact, John Turturro from the last movie. What you're about to see is top secret. Do not tell my mother. Yes, which is weird because it's like, he's somehow the only one that made it through and like then was disgraced and kicked out of the government afterwards yeah so we should say this is the guy who was in charge of sector seven yes but like somehow everybody else kept their jobs and like maybe even got promoted i don't know josh Jamel's doing pretty good Mm -hmm. but this guy somehow to be fair he was terrible at his job yeah but he's somehow out he's the only one yeah so he says that uh so then he gives an exposition dump about the transformers being there for a long time he shows pictures of things like a model t and like old planes and stuff and say that these are also transformers yeah he says that they need to talk to a decepticon well no just a transformer they do specifically say a decepticon what why because then he asks. then they act surprised when they find out it's a decepticon They say, oh, no, 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 not Jetfire. They need to talk to a Decepticon. So then they say they need to talk to a Decepticon about translating the glyphs. And so then Michaela pulls out Wheelie, who she's been carrying around in this metal box. Oh, okay, okay. And and Wheelie says, oh, you need to find one of the Seekers, who are the people that would be able to read this ancient form of Cybertronian, I guess. Or maybe they just don't have a written language anymore. Unclear. Anyway. But he's cooperating now with them. Because Michaela tortured him, yes, and Michaela's been knocking him around a bit. Yeah. And so now he's just like telling them info. Yeah, because he recognizes that the old cars are seekers, so they would be yeah. able to read this. So he shows a map basically of where known the known locations of seekers. and one of them is the Smithsonian. so then they go to the Smithsonian. Don't worry, we have one in Texas too. Oh good. Uh, they find this old plane. The wheelie's like, it's this guy, it's this guy. Use the spark immediately. This so Sam a- uses the spark to his little cube shard to wake the the plane up. This is after they tase a bunch of people. Yeah. Which just lends... The guards, by the way. Lends yeah. for further- oh, And accidentally himself, because he oh. makes such a dum-dum. This is lending to the myth that tasing is completely harmless. Because the remake gets tased many times in this movie. You can kill somebody by tasing them. Yes. Go on. So, as the plane is waking up, Michaela sees that there's a Decepticon symbol on it. Oh no, it's a Decepticon! How hard would it have been? They know they're all marked. Also, Wheelie is a Decepticon. Should we just trust him? That was my biggest thing. I was like, why would you think that he wouldn't have taken you to a Decepticon? Yeah. So, this this plane transforms into a, you know, into the Transformer, which it, who's, his a name is Jetfire. Huge, huge old one. Yes. His name is Jetfire. He also has metal things coming off of his face that look like ear hair and a beard because he's old, so it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. he And he walks with a huge metal cane. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, it's real funny. Yeah. He's a huge curmudgeon and he has decided that he's now an Autobot. He's... Oh yeah, because he has the red eyes and everything, but he's like, no, I switch sides. Yeah, and I'm an Autobot now. And then the little guy's like, oh, we don't have to work for those guys. Oh, this is great. And you're like, okay, yeah, Vince, like I want to, I want to be like, because then he starts like being like, oh, warrior goddess to Michaela, and, and he starts helping her leg. I know. And then Sam's like, oh, you're just gonna let that happen? And he's she's like. At least he's faithful. He switched sides 15 (laughs) seconds ago. He is not faithful. I never thought about that. That's so funny. Well, also, this causes a lot of questions for me about, for one thing, how the Autobots even came into being if you're allowed to switch sides. Yeah. Right. And also, why Decepticons feel that they can't switch sides. Like, why Wheelie thought he could only be a Decepticon. I don't... This causes a lot of a lot of questions. Because they obviously have different makeup. Like their yeah. eyes are different colors, mm-hmm. they're called different things. Like they're obviously not the same. Yeah. Even though they act like they did used to be the same because he's like we're brothers, we're brothers. Optimus yeah. prime won't we'll stop saying that. They yeah, they do talk about that. So the delineation is unclear. Yeah. So mm-hmm. So he lets all of us know Jetfire lets all of us know that the Fallen is the original Decepticon. Oh, which undermines our theory that all Transformers start out as Decepticons and then turn into like the Decepticons are the norm for Transformers. Yeah, that's weird. Um, I feel like the Allspark had a midlife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Started making Decepticons. Yeah. Jetfire teleports all of them to the desert in egypt so teleportation is now a power that transformers have i guess maybe well only old transformers. i think it you maybe it used to be like they obviously are a lot more powerful or something yeah he teleports them there and then he says that the seekers were there to harvest energon so this is where we get the info dump about the machine being there and energon being necessary to, trans- to transformers life and all of this um, the de- the machine is in the desert, so there were seven primes that landed to do this, and they didn't want to destroy a planet with life. The- this is when the Fallen became the Fallen. He said, you know, let's do it anyway, and he got kicked out of the Brotherhood, I guess. The machine can only be started with a key called the Matrix of Leadership. And this is the worst name <laughs> of the series. Yeah. In these two movies, at least. They might top themselves later. Matrix of Leadership? That sounds like one of those Sigma Six, like, weird... Uh, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. The brothers, the Seven Brothers, took it and hid it to keep it from the fallen. And he also says, when Sam comes up with this idea, basically, of could the Matrix of Leadership bring Optimus Prime back to life? He says well, it wasn't created for that purpose, but it's all energy, so maybe, sure. Why not? If it's plot relevant, Sure. At this point, does the Fallen know where this is? Does he have the runes that tell him where it is? Because I thought that I heard Jetfire say, and the Fallen knows where it is. And if he finds it first, then we're in trouble. And I was like, Did you just say finds it and already he knows where it is? I think you mean if he gets to it first. So I think what it is is that the Fallen knows where the machine is, but he doesn't know where the brothers hid the Matrix of Leadership because they hid the Matrix of Leadership and then created a tomb of their own bodies around it, which magically don't look like Transformers. Magically, it looks like rocks. Yeah. And what they need to find is the Matrix of Leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Also, apparently, the Transformers have lost all the technology that allowed them to build these things in the first place. Yeah. I mean, that's not the, again, a similarity with people. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know how to build anymore. A lot of medieval churches and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, why can't they build, I don't It it's unimportant. I'm not a robot scientist, Rose. I don't have your answers. Yeah. Okay, so Sam calls the soldiers to have them deliver Optimus Prime's body to where they are in Egypt, in the desert the decepticons so but while he's going through the city there's these facial recognition like you know run by the government these facial recognition video camera software stuff that recognizes Sam's face so through that the decepticons find where he is we cut tonight Sam and Michaela are snuggling i have no idea where they're bunking down for the night right in the open air no blankets just going to sleep but sink also really air. high up somewhere like oh, on a yeah. scaffold I don't know where they are, but they snuggle and argue about Sam not saying that he loves her yet, even though it's clear to everyone that they both love each other. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. But while they're doing that, Sam is looking up at the stars and he figures out because he read his entire astronomy textbook up front. He figures out that the clue about they were, you know, given Jetfire gave them a clue about where the machine is located. He figures out that the three kings and the clue is actually Orion's belt, so he figures out that it must be the Mountains of Petra. So then we cut to the soldiers. The soldiers are going to deliver Optimus Prime's body, but they need to get rid of the the bureaucrat. So they fake an alarm on the plane and then strap a parachute to him and basically shove him out in the most unsafe way possible. Like, they get him to set his parachute off while he is still in the plane. There's so many ways that he could have died. Yeah. There's a reason that they don't let you do that by yourself until several jumps in. Yeah, because he's never done this before. But they're like, oh no, VIP is first. No one can go with you. And off you go. Yeah. So Optimus Prime was killed. In America, Yes. The soldiers have been ordered by the U.S. government to take Optimus Prime somewhere else in America, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sam is the one that calls and tells them to take him to Egypt. Where are they dumping this guy out? Because he shows up later in the desert in Egypt, which means that the soldiers and this bureaucrat who don't want them to do this have already basically flown to Egypt when they dump him out. Right? He's just, like, on this 14-hour flight and doesn't know where to. Yeah, I'm... I don't understand what's going on. Meanwhile, Sam and everyone show up at the pyramid, where the machine and the tomb is located. They uncover the tomb behind a wall, like a picture, like a fresco on a wall, or whatever they call frescoes in Egypt. They find... They they probably have an Egyptian word. (laughs) They find the Matrix... You know, being held by the skeleton of a prime. Oh. Which apparently isn't capable of being revived. No one ever attempts to revive these primes. It's too old. Uh, Versus Jetfire, who, you know, sprightly, sprightly and young. Okay. So they find the Matrix, but as soon as he picks it up, it turns to dust. Little metal dust. Mm Mm-hmm. Michaela says it's hopeless, but Sam has faith because. He collects the dust in a sock, And then the Air Force drops off Optimus, so they go over to meet him. But, of course, the Decepticons are already on their way. (gasps) So this is the last 40 minutes of the movie, basically. Um, It's not going to sound like that from the description I give. Imagine a huge, super-duper long fight between the Decepticons, the Autobots, soldiers, with Sam and everyone caught in the middle, including Sam's parents who have been brought out there by Decepticons. Yeah, they got taken, and then it never came up until right now. Like, they never tried to use them as a bargaining chip until right now. They just show up. Yeah. And they're they're never really in any danger. It's, it's weird. Anyway, a whole bunch of the Constructicons form one huge Decepticon called Devastator. I don't know why this hasn't come up before. It seems like it would be useful. Because right. it's like as big as Megatron, if not bigger. I think it's bigger. Yeah, it kills Skids because it just sucks stuff into its mouth that like right. it destroys. So Skids gets sucked in and dies in no, he- th- my personal private version of this movie. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, in the actual version of the movie, he doesn't die. He destroys it from the inside, which makes me so upset that oh, he's, he's still alive. Very poorly, though. Like he doesn't actually destroy it because then we see it later. Oh, good point. I think he only destroys the sucking part of it. No, cuz you see it sucking stuff out of the out of the pyramid. <gasps> then he's useless at everything. He is. Ugh, he just somehow gets out and then like leaves before the job is done. Yes. So Devastator begins to destroy the pyramid to uncover the machine, which is still there just, you know, hanging out. Sam gets seriously injured. Like mm-hmm. everyone thinks he's, you know, dead or dying. Well, they're like using a defibrillator on him. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure. Like he they is get the dead. medics. They get the medics out there, and they're like, you know, it's it's incredibly serious. Michaela's super upset. But while he's out, he has a dream vision, whatever, of the dead primes from the tomb, and they tell him that they're gonna let him in on a little secret because he's proven his worth so many times by dying. And existing, I guess. By being friendly with Optimus Prime while not actually doing very much. Yeah. The matrix of leadership is not found. It is earned. Oh my goodness. And they give him a new one because he's earned it. Let's stop and talk about this for a second. If the matrix of leadership isn't found, it's earned... Why did they need to die and form a tomb around it to keep the Fallen from getting to it? Right. The Fallen hasn't earned it. Therefore, it should not exist for the Fallen because it can't be found. It has to be earned, which we see is not true when he grabs it later. Right. Because very shortly, the Fallen is going to take the, ma- the Matrix and try and and begin to activate the machine. It's going to work for him. That means he found it. He didn't earn it. Yeah. So this is nonsense. This is complete nonsense that makes no sense except for the fact that now we have a matrix when we thought we didn't. This makes me so angry. This makes no sense. (laughs) Even within the rules of its own universe. I'm willing to accept this weird dream of the dead primes that actually physically turns into a matrix of leadership. I call shenanigans on the whole it's not found, it's earned. Maybe it's just for humans, which is racist. Oh, <laughs> uh, so weird. I don't know why it'd be different. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Anyway, while Michaela's crying over Sam's body, she says she loves him. Because that was really a subplot that I needed wrapped up. Well, <laughs> then when he comes back, he says, I love you too. And I'm like, so... I love you actually means less when the first time you say it is when somebody died and then yeah. when that person comes back to life. Yeah. Like, this is not a good test of whether you actually love each other. Exactly. So Sam merges the Matrix with Optimus's spark. By stabbing him with it. Yes. <laughs> uh, then the Fallen takes the Matrix and activates the machine, which thankfully needs a few minutes to warm up before, you know, it destroys the sun. I think it's weird that this matrix is not like the Allspark, like it doesn't get all used up when you jam it into somebody. Yeah. It's just still there for taking. But you know the Allspark didn't get used up either because there were two shards of it left over Clearly. with energy in it. You can't trust Sam to do anything right. <laughs> I know. Jetfire gives Optimus his parts. He basically kills himself so that Optimus can have some of his parts to defeat the Fallen. It's really creepy, though. They introduce this thing like, oh, this is great now. And I'm like, hold on. They can cannibalize each other's parts and make themselves better? How is this not happening constantly? Yeah. It's really creepy. It, It is a bit weird. Because it does make you think of, like, why couldn't they take, you know, like, Jazz's voice box and give it to bumblebee. Yeah, or like all of Jazz's other parts and give it to Optimus Prime. Like this could have happened yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, it's I don't know. Right. So Optimus fights the Fallen and of course the Fallen is killed. Hang and on. Megatron is uh, hold on. Other best line in the movie. Tied with it feels good to grab your flesh is when Optimus kills the Fallen. He rips his face off and he says, "Give me your face." <laughs> does he really yes he does it's weird oh that's so funny and I, I i do want to mention that jetfire does have a line that i really like a lot my father while he was a wheel the first wheel do you know what he transformed into no. yeah, but he did so with honor. that was really funny and then they <laughs> ruined the scene by having him fart out a parachute <laughs> and fall over <laughs> But the line is hilarious, even though it doesn't actually make any sense at all. It doesn't, but it's so funny. Yeah. That's also like saying that my grandfather was a leg. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's not really how it works. (laughs) Oh, man. So Optimus kills the Fallen. Uh, I guess we're going to maybe assume that this is for realsies, even though Megatron was brought back before. But let's just assume that this actually means something. Well, we know it does because Megatron is still alive at the end of the movie. And that's all we really need. (laughs) Even though he had a boss that was way tougher than him, apparently, Megatron is still the ultimate villain of the series. Okay. Uh, So he's dead. Megatron is, I guess debating to himself whether he should go try and kill Optimus when Starscream whispers in his ear Not to call you a coward, master, but sometimes cowards do survive And then they both run away together Yep So, ugh, anyway Optimus then narrates the- this is a really abrupt ending at the end Optimus sends a message that I'm not really clear what it's about. And I'm not really sure who he's sending it to. Other than it's the closing narration. And he's sending it to space? He just says he doesn't want their history to be forgotten. Which, okay. Like, are you sending it to all of the Autobots that aren't there right now? Also, the world hasn't been destroyed. There's plenty of people to remember what happened. It's... Bizarre. I don't yeah, very unclear. And Sam is finally ready to start college. We see him attending class and then it closes with another Lincoln Park song. It does. As the credit song. Well, and then it actually mid credits, like when the, the mood shifts, they switch to yet another Lincoln Park song. <laughs> yeah. As and they actually one. and they actually get a music credit in this. Um, they did. Yeah, as the with Lincoln Park for the mu- for who the music was done by. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen. It is, in so many ways, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's terrible. Also, can I ask, why was John Turturro climbing the pyramid? Yeah. So we didn't mention John Turturro, of course, brought back another character that's almost completely used for comic relief yeah there's very little that he was necessary for in the plot and this is actually a lot of it's the same thing as kind of before you know the first movie where there were way too many characters yeah there's also too many characters in this one because they kept all of the ones from the first movie and just added people yes but they did well they got rid of the hackers but they did Mm -hmm. at least and his dog washing friend wonder what that guy's up to i know his friend from high school that we never see again they did at least focus it more on sam yeah, they did. It it felt more like it was a movie about him. But this was another thing where they added a whole bunch more Transformers without us ever really getting to know. Like, we didn't know Bumblebee any better by the end of this movie. We didn't nope. know Optimus Prime any better. We knew two super obnoxious comic relief Transformers by the end. But yeah. hopefully, I I can't imagine that they will continue on in the series based on the reaction they got oh, from yeah. critics. Oh yeah. They were terrible. Who? How did that even get past anybody? How did they see that and they were like yeah, this is great. It's going to play really well. Because this is also after the creation of the character Georgia Banks. You know, like yeah, I know it's a exactly. different franchise, but haven't we learned our lesson? It's not 1987. Yeah. I could not get over though how lazy it was that they just brought back the plot from the first movie by reviving everybody. Yeah. They were like, oh, the Allspark's still here and now Megatron's alive. It does undo like the whole purpose of the first movie. Yeah. And I guess the Allspark only like works in its full capacity when it's whole? Which doesn't seem to make sense if it says the energy can't be destroyed. Yeah. Then it should have been in the shards because then it was transferred to Sam. Well, I also don't know how... Megatron could be killed by the cube and then revived by a shard of it. it. Yeah. This feels like one of those things where you fry a computer and then, but then you just plug it in to a gentler energy source and it turns back on. <laughs> like that's not, the computer's dead. The computer's gone. No energy is going, like no amount of electricity is going to bring it back. Yeah. This movie was also a huge success. The budget was $200 million. And the box office was $836 million. Oh my goodness. Well, I see why there are seven. Yeah. So we've run a bit long because this, this movie is so filled with logical <laughs> inconsistencies and obnoxious characters that we couldn't help ourselves. Uh, so we're going to keep this pretty short at the end. And let me just say, if you think that we, you know, had a lot to say about this movie, there was so much more that we could really have been said. Yeah. So, you know, if you like this type of movie, definitely go see this one. We'll be back with the third Transformers at a later date. But next Highlander, a classic. There can only be one. There can only be one. And if you want to see Sean Connery in like a 16th century pimp suit trying to do a Spanish accent, this is for you. Also, stars, co stars, the amazing Clancy Brown. <laughs> That's what's next on More Is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.